MJ. Oh, oh he did it! Oh, Michael shakes the finger! Jordan. by Dennis Johnson. Michael on the drive, in for the right. Hesitation move, through the hoop for the right. Scoop shot, good on the reverse. Michael! 12-6 Boston. Jordan with the drive and the reverse. Michael Jordan. This is a great move by, by Michael Jordan. Great reverse underneath the basket. Great suspension. Great touch. Chance to cut the lead down to 11, which is as few as it's been since the first quarter. Now watch as Michael Jordan comes at the bottom of your screen here, how he leaves the defensive man. Dumars was thinking that he had rotation help. Wow. Watch the quickness that he pivots here. There it is right there. Sellers has Jordan. Jordan with two seconds to go. Puts it up. It's good at the buzzer. Michael Jordan has won it for Chicago. All right, all right, all right. I'm pretty sure y'all get the point by now. Cops ain't getting charged, man. That's that's about it. That's the, the gist of the story. The cops that were caught killing that guy in uh, Louisiana are not getting charged at all. Scot-free. And then they let the video out. Crazy. Once you see that body cam footage, you'll, if you're not on the side that I'm on, you'll realize why everybody's angry. The body cam footage is very very telling you get a sense of how these cops or how that particular cop felt about that man the minute he approached him and i know people are going to say well whenever a police officer walks up on you do exactly what they say that's that's an understandable statement but 
as an officer, like I said before, you're held to a higher standard. At least tell me what's going on. Explain to me what's going on. If you don't want me to be combative, you as a police officer who's in charge of keeping people safe, you should go out your way to let the person you're attempting to detain or arrest, let them know the purpose of this encounter you're having. You give them a chance to calm down, possibly give you any information that could help you out with the situation, I feel like it would create a, a safer environment for everybody involved. Now, luckily for me, I've been, luck like I said, just said, luckily, I have never been arrested. And I'm planning to keep that 35 history going, going strong. That's the goal. That's a, that's a life goal. That should be your goal, too. And if you already been arrested and you fucked up or it wasn't your fault, fuck it. Start over from zero and get your counter right back going. Me, I've been luck lucky enough to have never been arrested. And like I said, I plan on keeping it that way. But in the event an officer felt the need to try to, to attempt to detain or arrest me, at least let me know what's going on. Get, give me some information so you're not walking up on me and I'm just start, I start wilding the fuck out or I start acting in a way that you feel is aggressive. I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest person in the world, but I'm not a small man. I'm black, I'm bald head, I wear hoodies and scullies all the time. So some people may perceive me as being a threat when I'm out here just living my life. And what was going on with this man, him selling the CDs illegally, I get it. It's, he don't got the, the vendor's license to be out there. The man's obviously trying to feed his family. And I can't speak to him as a person, but I, I can say that to see somebody die like that is fucked up. If he was such a bad person, he probably would have been locked up somewhere. And for whatever he did before that, like, I don't know that man before that. All I know is what I've seen via videotape. This isn't secondhand. Nobody didn't tell me this shit. I, I watched the videotape, which I saw and thought was terrible. And then I saw the actual body cam footage, which I thought was terrible. Now, I don't know if the cops, like, they knew about this man's past. And that caused them to be that aggressive when pursuing him or whatever. Keep in mind, they're still professionals, and I feel like you got to handle that shit a better way. There's got to be a better way to do that. I mean, the man is dead. Whatever you were trying to gain from detaining him is, is gone. If you just want to look good in front of your, your, sergeant, your shift sergeant or whatever the fuck it is, by arresting this man, you didn't do that. If you were trying to make the people in the community feel safe by arresting this man, you didn't do that. If you were trying to make yourself feel better, by going up and attempting to arrest this man, you couldn't have done that because you've been under investigation for about two years right now. And your name has got to be shit in your department, in that community, in that state, anywhere in the country where people are aware or paying attention to this fucking situation we got. I urge you, I doubt there's a cop or a family member of a cop that even listens to this podcast. If you, if you got cops in your family, man, talk to them. Wish him well. Wish to see him again when you see him leave the house or when you catch him in passing because they do have a very dangerous job. And I know they have to have a certain mindset when they go out the door. Every shift, every day could be their last. And I get that. But if you go out there aggressive, you're only going to get the energy back that you put into the universe. So wish him well. Wish that they come back as you should. But please be that support system whether it be a firefighter, a police officer, someone in the military, please be that for somebody because I'm going to assume that the guy that ended up shooting him had been going through some shit. Whether he hadn't been properly trained, 
how to on how to handle what he was going through, or he just didn't know about his resources, didn't have an outlet, something. I just I can't see a sane individual doing that. Somebody with no issues going on, a stress-free lifestyle, which nobody really has a stress-free lifestyle, but a lifestyle where he's managing stress properly. I can't see you going into that situation and handling it that badly when you got the upper hand. Just the manner in which he was speaking to that man. He was cussing the man out, calling him stupid. You called a dead man stupid after you shot him while he was being fucking detained. Come on, you got to have something going on in your life. It's, there's got to be something wrong with your spirit for you to just go and do some shit like that. And then, then what, what do you learn? Because he's gone free. Gone. Gone free. Now, his life may be shit, but it may not. Look at George Zimmerman. He's still out here living it up. He may have got beaten up once or twice, but hey, he's fucking free. Yep. And it just the reactions online is like I almost want to get away from the internet, but I can't. I'm addicted like everybody else. Sue me. It almost makes me want to just turn my turn the blind eye to the rest of, of the country and just live on the rock and go on about my business. I wish I could be that way, but I'm not. I like information and it takes a toll. Knowing knowing things and, and knowing to look at things with a different perspective, it fucks you up. Like I wish I could be somebody that's ignorant that doesn't look at that doesn't look at everyday things and see, okay, what's behind it. I think I said on the last joint, it's like you open your third eye and you see like somebody sees a commercial, but they don't see what's behind that commercial. Somebody hears a song, sees a movie, they don't see what's behind it. Like I see what's behind it. And that shit is scary. And ignorance really is bliss. But I'd rather know and be pissed off than not know and be a happy fool. That's just me. That's just the state of our country, man. Uh, money and guns, rule shit. Like the fucking NRA, the donations to the NRA tripled after the school shooting, man. That's how fanatical these people are about their guns. I wonder how much of that money could have been used to go to the homeless, to go to educating children or foreigners who get stuck in this country while they're deporting their family members. I wonder. I, I wonder, like, people say guns don't kill people, people kill people. Th that's true because of negligence. The gun can't hop up. Yeah, I get the gun can't hop up and do all this shit. Yeah. And I'm talking about negligence on a, on, a, on, a, on a wide scale to where people just don't care about other... If it's not your somebody in your direct circle, somebody looks like you, you don't give a fuck about their life. If you can't be like, you know what? Maybe we should limit the amount of these type of firearms because people are dying. Like, I know I want to go have fun and waste money on shooting bullets through a piece of paper, but people are dying. Like, I can sacrifice doing something I'd like so that more people can be alive. And I, I don't understand that sentiment not reaching other people. I would, if I could get an M4, I mean, I can get an M4, but if I, you know, felt the need to get an M4, they look cool. If you would have asked me if I'd like to have one, if you would have given me one, I'd take it. Yeah, but I, I know honestly that I'd probably ended up trying to sell it back to a gun. I'm not going to do shit with it. That shit would sit in my house and collect dust. Seriously, because for me, like, I don't fuck with nobody. I don't have no issues like that. So if I got a gun, it's for home protection. So if somebody comes to my crib, I'm not looking for the M4. That's going through walls and or AR. That's going through walls or shit like that. I'm looking for like a pistol, maybe a shotgun. I don't need much more than that. But yeah, I, I'm off that, man. I've been talking about that shit too much. It just 
I, every time I think about one situation, it leads to another, man. I don't, is it the string theory? I don't know. Somebody help me out with that. But I just I just get caught up in my own thoughts sometimes. I just seem like feel like all this shit ties together. Like the same people that are that support the cop that shot this man to be in my eyes are the same people that are are pro having these guns out. And I'll say it again. I'm not when I say I want some of these firearms off the street. I'm not talking about the the person who's out there training with the gun to shoot it properly. I'm talking about how these guns end up in the actual streets. That's my that's my issue with it. When the guns leave from whatever contained environment are by people who are well trained to have them cool once they leave that and end up in the streets that's where my issue comes because i know in the streets when people get guns like that they have it for one purpose only and that's to maim and destroy other individuals but i'm off that man i'm off that i gotta move on i gotta get past that it's just been in my brain for a long long time anyway so the heir to the anheuser bush uh, fortune apparently roughed up a minor who had been in a fight with his son now, and i saw i saw a little bit my wife put i think put me on this it might have been on Good Morning America or whatever the fuck that show is, the Today Show. Something she has me watch to <laughs> and help me get topics for this podcast because she's a good producer like that. Anyway, I was uh, watching it and I saw where this man, well, the heir to the Anheuser-Busch fortune, I guess, roughed up a kid who had been in a fight with his son. And at first I was like, man, that's fucked up. That's a grown-ass man. But then on the flip side, I was like, you damn right. <laughs> I come from an era where, hey, an eye for an eye. If you take both my eyes, I'm taking eyes away from somebody in your family. Now, do I really condone a grown man beating up somebody else's kid? No, but I can't say how I would react in that same situation. Like, I might, if my kids get in the fight and the other kids winning, I might toss that motherfucker. Like, I might pick, I might pick shot up and throw a halfway across the street. I might do that. I'm a, I'm a loving father. I'm a loving father. But I also think that uh, you should teach your kids how to defend themselves. Whether it be you just in the house giving them the little one-on-one drills through like playing around or whether you get them some type of formal education, teach your kids to protect themselves, man. It's, it's a crazy world we live in out here, man. And, uh, people are always going to be in conflict. There's always going to be situations that are not properly handled. So you should teach your kids a little bit, a little something, man. At, at least engage with them. Ask them what they would do if they ever got into a fight. Because I, God knows when, when I hear my little girl say she felt a certain way about something that happened at school, I, I, I'm on, I get on 10, man. I get on super dad mode, and I want to I wanna destroy everything in the house. And I, I have to tell her, to, I said, don't let nobody disrespect you and put their hands on you. And I tell her to never go out there and start a fight. But if somebody come out, come to you looking for one, you make goddamn sure they find it. And you give them a receipt of two black eyes and a busted nose or something. Because I don't want my kids getting fucked with and people not learning. That's what I'm going to start telling my daughter. I said, if somebody messes with you, that's when you become a teacher. You make sure they learn to never put their hands on nobody else. Whoop they ass. And don't worry about getting in trouble. Because the real trouble is going to be when you come home and you got to talk to daddy. Because you didn't protect yourself like I told you to. And I, you know, I got to be hard on her because she's, you know, she's my oldest and I want her to be a good example for her little sister. And by that, I mean just being a good human being and out there when you go out there and interact with folks and not letting people disrespect you because we're not tolerating that in my household. That's not going to happen. What else I got for y'all, man? Um, Yeah, I'm going to jump straight into this music shit, man. I'll say music news. Music news. Jewel Santana, you got to relax, man. Jules, Jewels, I forgot to say his name. 
Joel Santana, you gotta relax. I don't know what it is, man, with these rappers when they when they go broke. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna say broke. Cause I don't I don't think that Joel's is broke. I would say when they lose relevance, they just start moving a little bit different. Maybe it's because Joel's was running with the wrong people. Maybe it's because he thought he was bulletproof and could do whatever he wanted. There's no excuse for you forgetting that you got firearms and drugs in the bag when you go into the airport. I mean, how many times has this man been on the plane? How many times have you been traveling, period, on tour? There's no excuse for that. You you are supposed to be the leader of your team. You're the head of the snake, bro. There's no excuse for you having a bag that has guns and drugs on it in the fucking airport. Especially, especially anywhere near New York fucking city, man. It's like, come on, like, you had to be high. You had to be high. Or you had to be high enough to trust somebody else to pack your bag. That That's beyond foolish. And the crazy thing is, is that his studio just got raided. He just got, he just got fucked up for that shit. And on top of that, a few days before his studio got raided, his man got arrested. One of, the home, one of his homies got arrested. This is like the pattern, man. It's like Cameron go away, go do other shit. Goes on to, I won't say bigger and better things than music, but business-wise, he's probably doing better. Jim Jones is doing his thing over here. But Joel's, man, he just never got it together after they, they separated. I won't say they split. After they separated, he kind of never got it back together. And, and it's crazy to me because I think about, anytime I think about Joel's, unfortunately, I have to think about Lil Wayne. And I just think about how Lil Wayne came and basically swaggerjacked Joel Santana before he swaggerjacked T-Pain and then went on to swaggerjack Drake. Anyway, I just, I think about how Wayne was up there standing next to them for all that time, getting some of that dipset shine, and then left and went on to even more superstardom. And the Joel's were just stuck in his Def Jam deal, couldn't do nothing. And his buzz went away. And I know he did his mixtapes and he did his shows and he was still trying to do his thing in New York. But the high he was on was over. And he just seemed like he was kind of out of whack. Like he was, he never got it going again. And I understand it completely. It's a hard business to stay relevant in because rap music moves so fast. And I believe they were, Dipset was in that era right before shit went completely to the internet. To where the local grind and the, you know, the, the, the CDs and mixtapes and all that shit was where it was at. Before that piff really got strong and all these other places to get mixtapes, they were they were killing it. But the game switched up on them and then people don't want to hear those soul beats no more and shit just got, it got weird for him and he got stuck. And ever since then, he's just, I don't know what's been going on with him. I don't know how he didn't attach himself to the right people and, and you know, and, and make it work because he had star power. And then here he is, you know, stuck in the studio, his man... His man get arrested, his studio get raided, he gets on the fucking plane, and next thing you know, somebody sees a gun in his bag, and he's running out in the fucking airport. It's crazy. That's a, that's a damn shame to go from the height you were to to this, to being a tabloid, basically. I, I wonder what, when these rappers get in trouble, do they think back on the things they did? Like, I'm about to go to court. If it goes to trial, are they going to play my music videos? And they're going to have everyday people in their jury watching me throw money and throw up gang signs. Telling another man I'll take their chick but how I sold X and Y Z dope and how you know, I'll shoot anybody out there. And then I'm going to get on the stand and tell them it's just entertainment. 
But a few lines after I said that in the other song was like, we the realest out. I just wonder how that's going to go. And I'm not saying it's the bastard rapper because I'm a, I'm a big fan of rappers. And I'm, a, I'm even a fan of some of the shit Jewel's did. But it just shows you how fast that life can be over. And then if you don't plan accordingly, the way your life can go. That's sad. And there's some, somebody else like in a similar boat. Like Fab, everybody know Fabulous, you know. He, he the truth. He was supposed to be the next guy. After J&M kind of cooled off a little bit, Fab was supposed to take it. Fab got classic songs. Breathe. Everybody knows Breathe. Breathe was a classic song. It brought, it brought that, that New York sound back for like a little bit. When everybody was making those lovey-dovey records, Fab came with something hard, man. And he'll be a legend for that forever. But maybe not. No celebrity is above domestic violence. I don't give a fuck if you're an athlete, rapper, actor. Maybe a politician can get away with it. We know who I'm talking about. A rapper, as a rapper, as a musician, you can't do that. Especially as a black man, they're looking for you to do something. Especially when your music ain't hot. When your music ain't hot and you fuck up and make a mistake, then you're to the wolves. Because if, if your music is hot and your name is good, somehow you may get around it, you may beat it. People don't want to see you in trouble. They want to see you keep doing good things unless you meet Miller, you keep going to jail. I mean, people may look past it. Even if you're having your troubles with the law, they'll look past it and be like, okay, when he gets through the situation, we'll be loyal fans. We'll be here for him. But when you ain't been popping in a while, and I, I know Fab is big on uh, Twitter and all that shit, but musically, I haven't heard much from Fab. I know he has the street mixtapes and all that shit. But I'm talking about like on a big scale, like not where he should be. Not where he, he should be up there, like in like top 10 rappers right now. And they just put out that project. Um, He put out a project with Jadakiss not too long ago, which was dope. But it didn't. It didn't hold that that momentum, you know what I mean? They were probably, hopefully, they were torn off of that, but it still didn't hold the momentum on like on a wide scale. So he wasn't, while Fab will never be trash, he wasn't as relevant as he was. I want to be careful with the words I use because I got a, a lot of respect for him musically, but this shit probably going to kill his career. And if he did knock this young lady's two front teeth out, I will say it should. The thing about the style of rap Fabulous does, I know he has a lot of female fans. I just, I just can't see them standing by him in this situation. And ladies, like I, I know that thug shit appeals to some of y'all, but y'all got to knock it off, man. Y'all got to knock it off. You put yourself around these people, and I know they've been together forever, but he didn't marry this girl or nothing. So that kind of, to me, that shows me how much he valued her because he probably been beating on her for the longest. That's just the way I see it. It's just like the Ray Rice thing. We, when you saw him hit that girl in the elevator, like, I knew, like, oh, yeah, he been whooping her ass for a long time. For him to punch her that hard and then drag out the elevator like a fucking caveman, like, you know he been beating on that motherfucker for a long time. So, for the, with this fabulous situation, I feel like if he took her to the level of knocking her two front teeth the fuck out, he's probably been punching her in the stomach, you know, for a minute. That's probably been, he probably used to poke in the ribs real hard or maybe squeeze the arm tight just to start off with. Little punch in the stomach, little smack in the back of the head, and then elevate until I'm punching her in the face. I just can't see this as the first time this has happened. That's the only reason why I'm saying what I'm saying. I just don't see a, a grown man punching a, a female in the face off rip. Just boom. His not I would say not his significant other. A chick in the street, there could be an altercation, and you you may be 
one just one of these violent ass people, you might you might just swing on and knock her teeth out. But for somebody that you've been with for a long time to punch them in the fucking face and knock their teeth out, that tells me you've been the boots begin to smoke for a minute. Man, it's fucking sad, man. It's a sad situation. And I I wanna say I hope he didn't do it. I wanna be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But for everything I read, he got into it with her and her brother and her father. And I don't wanna talk about the rest of the shit, but that that's crazy to me, man, that Fab is gonna fall off over some bullshit like this. It's a damn shame. But it is what it is, man. I wish I had better music stuff for y'all, but that's pretty much all I got on music. There is an album I listened to um, was interesting to me, and I I was scrolling through Tidal. Yes, I'm a music snob. I have a Tidal. So I was scrolling through Tidal, and I saw this shit said Edgewood on it. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, so immediately I see Edgewood. I'm immediately thinking it's somebody from Duval. I'm thinking it's somebody from the crib. So I'm like, okay, let me listen to this shit. And there's a dude named Trouble. There's Trouble and Mike Will. So I see Mike Will names. I know the beat's gonna be funky. So I listened to it and it was cool. It's it's street music. And it's not if you if you go into it looking for lyrics, you you're not gonna uh you're not gonna get you're not gonna get that from this album. This is all about gangster ass storytelling and cadence mixed with dope beats. That's what this album is. He's got a song with Drake on there. I think it's called Back It Up. And then uh I really like the intro. It's called Real Is Rare. Like, don't let my man, and this man, this catch from, actually from Atlanta, Georgia, don't let my man's accent get in the way you listen to the music. If you, if you, you know, more about the the beat and then the cadence and the stuff in between the rhymes, like, if he's just talking flash shit, if that's what you want to listen to, it is not going to make you go out there and sell no dope or kill nobody, man. You should definitely check it out if you're a fan of Southern Hip Hop. So, the, the artist's name is, his name is Trouble, and the album is named Edgewood. So it was Trouble and Mike Will, I guess, as a project, and then the album, I mean, as the artist, and then the project is called Edgewood, and then I'm pretty sure it's everywhere. But I thought it was a cool, you know, a cool street banger to listen to on, on every now and again. And that's all I got for music, man. Um, y'all already know what I'm going to get into with these sports. So I'm going to hit y'all with the light jab real quick. LeAngelo Ball has declared himself eligible for the draft. I haven't talked about the Ball family for a, a minute, but I recently got back on what I got caught back up watching Ball and the family, and I think it's a great show to give you some insight on all the things that Levar Ball has going on, and how he's trying to engineer his family into prosperity. He's got one son in the NBA, and he's got the two youngest, the two younger boys over in Lithuania. And I mean, I watched the the last few episodes of season two. And it's been rough for them over there, but I think that in the long run it will benefit them playing around other professionals. Like obviously like anybody else, I would have liked for them to go to a more competitive league, but they got where they could go so they can shine. Obviously you don't want them to go places where they look good. You don't want them to be over there struggling. It looks like it will benefit them in the long haul. I do think that LiAngelo should wait another year. I think he should get another year over there under his belt to polish his game some more, to play against more of that competition, and to give scouts even more tape. Now, I'm not an NBA scout, and I have no idea how harshly the NBA, the NBA evaluates talent by any means. I'm just saying he, I would treat it like college, make more money just in case you try to go get drafted and don't. You go another round with these guys, play some more ball. You may end up wanting to stay overseas, 
Worst case scenario, you give the NBA more tape, I think he should stay another year. Now to the real shit. Now to the realness. So I'm going to give you guys my top five greatest NBA players of all the times. And I don't know if I'm going to start with the top, with my number one or my number five. I think I'm going, I'm going to start with my number five guys. And uh, when I say this, I'm going to piss a lot of y'all off already. But my number five guy is number 23. Yes, number 23. The great, high-flying, slam-dunking LeBron James. I wish I could give you guys a round of applause. I don't have all that shit. And I will say I got LeBron at number five. I will say mostly, I, w- I will say this, it's not based on his skill level, but based on my eyeball test and the way, the outcome of certain things he's done in the league, right? There's a couple of things I hold against LeBron, and I'm pretty sure most people who don't have them as the greatest right now, and he's number five on my list right now. And this is my personal list. This is by no means the gospel on how you should rate NBA players. This is my personal list on LeBron and where I, you know, my personal rating for LeBron and my personal top five of all time list. Now, his skill set I love. I think if I was to be an NBA player, for me and my personality, I would like to have either a game like Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, or LeBron James, something like that. I like assists. I like rebounds. Of course, everybody likes to shoot and get buckets. Everybody likes to dunk and all that crazy shit. But I like being able to control and affect the game by passing the ball, right? I guess it's like a basketball quarterback, but with a quarterback mentality. I like that aspect of the game. I, I really dig it, and I think you can – Um, it does something for the crowd especially when you're throwing passes in a sharp and flashy manner. With LeBron James, this this person, this human being, this freak athlete, is what he does on the court is incredible. I just feel like with all that talent, it should be without question that he is the greatest player to ever play. It just hasn't turned out that way in reality. Like, what I want doesn't matter. I think he has the, the physical skill and gift to be the greatest of all time. Right now, I just don't feel like he's there. You can't only you can't go to the finals eight, nine times, only have three rings. Not with his skill set, not with his talent. Not with the teams he's had. People say, Jordan, hell, yeah, yeah, okay. Jordan didn't have no damn Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on the team. Jordan had Scottie Pippen. One other one other person to really rely on to score and shut down other people in office, like Scottie Pippen. That's who Jordan had. And he had some, some other guys with some role players on the team. But LeBron has had whole squad, whole veteran teams. Just pieced and put together. He even went to Miami. And, and while I feel like right now he's the best player in the world, and I, I believe he came, he became the best player in the world, Game five, Eastern Conference Championship, when they beat Boston. Because I think they had lost the game before, and LeBron was like, give me the fucking ball. I'm tired of this shit. I'm taking over. It's my time now. At that point, he became the greatest player in the world, currently playing. But 
you can't have this immense talent, have all these opportunities, and then not cash in when your name is called. That series with Dallas and Miami, that was that was crazy. Getting smashed in the finals by the Spurs, that's that's understandable. You you didn't have you didn't have the team. That's the one time I get you didn't have the team. You going up against a bunch of Hall of Famers, I give you that. You never lost in the first round. The East has been trash for almost 20 years. So I don't want to hear that. Oh, you never lost in the first round. The East has been trash damn near 20 years. I'm not doing that with the Jordan comparisons. But his skills, I would say he probably has the greatest skill set of all time. It's just a goddamn shame he couldn't execute on it. And with all the controversy surrounding the teams he's been on, it's just a shame. But LeBron James is a solid number five on my list. And he may move up in the next couple of years, depending on what he does. He'll probably move up on my personal list. But you guys know the accolades, four MVPs, three finals MVPs. Any team he touches is going to be a competitor. He can go to Orlando Magic right now. They're going to win more games. That's just the type of player he is. He's a lightning rod for controversy. And if we were saying who's the greatest of all time and then including social awareness, and things he's done outside the game, he'd probably be at the top of the list. He'd probably be number either either one or two on the top of my list. But I'm talking about strictly on the court, how you look at the end of games. Are you clutch when you should be clutch? Did you pass when you should have passed? And did you shoot when you should have shot the ball? And there's been times where LeBron James did not demand the ball back. Expect, like in that playoff series with Kyrie, and he took the line. I'm like, why the fuck is Kyrie Irving got the ball right now? Yes, you, you're probably a better shooter, but it, when the game on the line, that ball got to be in LeBron's hands. You can't pass the ball out like that. That ain't how this works. You're the greatest man playing. You need the ball at the end of the game. My number four greatest of all time, Irvin Magic Johnson. Y'all know Magic, man. Showtime Lakers. Come on, man. Career cut short by an unfortunate disease he got out there, you know, being reckless. But anybody, like, you you see Magic Johnson and you probably just smile. Just then, just watching his highlights and shit, being 6'9", able to handle the rock like that, now it seems like no big deal. But back when he was doing it, 6'9", it's like, get your ass in the post, homie. You're not going to be out here with the guards. And, yes, he was bigger than most guards, but for him to be able to move with players – that were probably a lot faster than him and be able to handle the ball that well and affect the game while not being the best shooter. Come on, man. Clutch. You talking about Kareem go out the game? Magic said he going to start at center? This is your point guard, fam. That is crazy. That is phenomenal. Him and Bird helping bring the league back to life with their cross-country rivalry, man. Come on, bro. And I wasn't old enough to get all of that, to see all of that. But I was old enough to see Magic Johnson play and his infectious enthusiasm. Like, just watching those old highlights is amazing to me. And watching him play, when he even before he retired, when he came back, man, he's Magic is that dude, man. Magic is really that guy. I was glad to see my Bulls beat him in the finals that year. But Magic is the man. And also with LeBron, if we're talking about things done outside, of basketball, he'd probably be higher on my list. But we talking about against basketball and him, he wasn't the best shooter, wasn't the best defender, but he was a bad motherfucker. You talking about five championships, man? 
coming in as a rookie and grabbing hold of a veteran team and holding down Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he goes out, man, you got to respect that, man. Magic Johnson, goddammit. Number four, man. That's my guy. This man went... Is the story, does the story go like he won a high school, a state championship, then won a national championship, and then the next year after that won the NBA world title? Come on, fam. Former all-time assist leader. And not just a, like a pass the ball. I'm talking about passing the ball with flair. Changing the game. Making the guys on the playground feel like they can make it to the league. Inspiration, bro. Come on, man. Magic Johnson, number four. Number three. Number three. My main man. I got his jersey hanging up in my closet right now. Kobe Bean, the black mama. Kobe Bryant is my number three greatest player of all time. Now, if you're about in my age range, you saw when this man entered the league and how he had a, he basically took the league by storm. He, did he have some struggles in his first season? Yeah. But we were all watching to see what he was going to do. Because, honestly, I didn't know a lot about Kobe. He was just another kid out of high school coming into the league to do his thing. But, boy, Kobe Bryant is the truth. And I'm not going to go into all Kobe's. Actually, like I think the fact that Kobe Bryant only has one MVP, one MVP is a fucking shame. And I, I want to say that shit that happened in Colorado probably messed him. I want, I want to believe. I say I believe it messed him up for a couple years. I believe whatever happened with him in Colorado messed him up for a long, long time. And he can't get that time back. But Kobe Bryant, it's, it's obvious, man. His body of work is incredible. Yes, he played with Shaq, but it takes a it takes a great player to be able to mesh different skill sets. And there's no, I will tell you this, there's no all-time great that actually won championships that didn't play with another all-time great. If you can show me that, I'll give you $5 or something. I ain't got a lot of money. But if you can show me an all-time great NBA player that didn't play with, alongside another great player and win the championship, I'll give you $5. I can do that. I give you five dollars. Not area. I don't know how many people listen to this shit, but not all you motherfuckers. Like one person, who's ever first. If you could show me an all-time great NBA player that didn't that didn't have another great player on the roster with him when they wanted that when they won a world championship, I give you five bucks. I can Venmo it to you. Get your Starbucks gift card. Something. I give you five dollars, man. There's no way. Yes, he had Shaq. And you know what? The only one to be real, the only one to be real, might be Kobe fucking Bryant. Let's just go on my list so far, the bottom three, right? So, LeBron James, he won with D-Wade. D-Wade's a fucking Hall of Fame. I don't give a fuck nobody says. Has his body broken down over the years? Yes, but he's a finals MVP. Got three rings himself, two with LeBron, one with Shaq. D-Wade's a Hall of Famer. Hands down. So, that's LeBron out, out the race. And then Kyrie Irving will probably go down as a Hall of Famer as well. And with them putting people like T-Mac in, who knows, Kevin Love may be in there too. But <laughs> LeBron James played with at least one Hall of Famer. Magic Johnson, come on, man. He played with Kareem and James Worthy. Byron Scott was a hell of a good player too. Michael Cooper was a good player. There's somebody else I'm fucking forgetting. But Magic Johnson had Hall of Famers on his squad too. And Kobe Bryant played with Shaq. Three rings, 
Shaq was finals MVP all three times, but when you have a dominant big man, to be a guard and be able to defer to a dominant big man, I, I guess can be hard when you have that much talent. But I also, I give Kobe a lot of credit for not getting caught up in the bullshit in L.A. He did run into some trouble out in Colorado, but he didn't get caught up in the, in the L.A. bullshit. All the stories you hear about people who played with him and how he was, uh, they say he was maniacal about his training and his work habits and his work ethic. For somebody to be living in Los Angeles, a young millionaire, and him to not get caught in the trappings of that city and not fall off and for him to stay focused when he had everything right there at his doorstep, every opportunity to go fuck up, and he made only real, one real major mistake, that, that's phenomenal to me. You didn't see Kobe Bryant in a bunch of movies. He tried the rap thing for a little bit and gave up on that <laughs> quickly, thank God. But Kobe Bryant, man, just for the me being a, a Bulls slash Lakers fan, seeing his career through the highs and the lows, like the closest thing to MJ ever, and I don't want to see anything else like that because it's been done twice. It's been great. But a lethal score, clutch, a crazy good defender, man, just knowing the game. And as he got older, developing the same way MJ did, learning how to go in the post and to dominate the game from the post. And you see people all the time say, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, oh, he's a ball hog and all that. I've seen plenty of games where Kobe's passed the ball several times and they've given him the ball right the fuck back. But being able to drive your team like that after taking a loss on the finals and then come right back and then win it the next year, man. Kobe Bryant, man. And just think about it. The last two rings he won, the other best player on his team was Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol and Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom smoked crack. Just <laughs> think about that. Um, but, yeah, he smoked crack and ate a lot of Skittles. But that's who was on that team the second go-around. Yeah, they had Andrew Bynum and all that shit, but you see what happened to him. Kobe Bryant, number three. Um, my number two guy, I'm going to be honest and say I didn't see him play a lot. But sheer numbers, longevity, and a move that nobody can stop. Six MVPs. The, I think he had the record for all-star appearances. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man. Lou Alcindor. I, I should, he should be in your top. Just for the shit he put up with, he should be in at least your top ten. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man, I, I can't say too much about him because I didn't get to watch him play. Really, I think I, I vaguely remember seeing him like on his, uh, his uh, retirement tour as a as a youngin, but just from from old Tate watching him play, man, that that skyhook is is crazy. Like he's one of the best basketball players ever, like any level. Dominant in high school, dominant in college, dominant in NBA, man. I don't know if there's ever been a better big man. Is Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal included? The finesse, being able to defer to a young rookie point guard, being able to mesh with that style of play, and to be like, okay, I have to turn over the reins to this young guy. I, I don't see that happen. I, I don't think that would happen in this era. And in this era, I would say, you, you won't see, really see too many dominant big men anyway, but with the egos the way they are now, I'm pretty sure it took a lot for him to do that at first, but once he saw that it worked, man, he had to kind of acquiesce, 
And I, you got to respect a guy like that, especially dealing with the shit he dealt with. And if we were talking about social, social issues, he would probably be my number one over LeBron if we were just talking about if we're talking about basketball and things outside of basketball, because he was socially conscious at a dangerous time to be socially conscious. Back in the day, and then even for him to convert to Islam back then when that shit was frowned upon, like, well, maybe not as much as it is now, but it was still frowned upon back then because the black Muslims. It's for all the shit he went through, man. I got to give Kareem Abdul-Jabbar number two. And then the, he, he wasn't really talked about because of people, how people felt about his personality and everything. I feel like had that not been the case, had he found it within himself to open up more, and I'm, I don't blame him for that, but had he been like a more open person, maybe more people would have heard about him, more people would, would sing his praises more. But just that, that play, the style of play alone, the, manu- the move, the maneuver alone, being able to hit that shot from any angle is crazy. So I got to give Kareem Abdul-Jabbar my number two greatest player of all time. It was hard for me to, to move Kobe, man. It was hard because Kobe was my number two all the way. But when you look at it, man, the championships, the ticket MVPs, man, a dominant move, being able to score the well as a big man, I got to go with Kareem, man. I got to go with Kareem. You guys know what time it is. You guys heard the intro, but y'all know who number one is. So I'm just going to read some things for you guys real quick. Two-time USA Basketball basketball Male Athlete of the Year. Number 23 retired by the University of North Carolina. ACC Rookie of the Year. Two-time first-team All-ACC. ACC Player of the Year. Two-time first-team All-American. National College Player of the Year. NCAA Champion. NBA's 50th Anniversary All-Time Team. Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. Three times AP Athlete of the Year, Associated Press. Number 23, retired by the Miami Heat. Number 23, retri- retired by the Chicago Bulls. Two-time dunk contest champion. Three times NBA steals leader. Ten-time scoring champ. First-team all-rookie. Rookie of the Year. Nine-time NBA all-defensive first team. NBA Defensive Player of the Year. All-NBA second team. That's 1985, by the way. 10-time All-NBA First Team. Three-time NBA All-Star Game MVP. That's the All-Star Game MVP. Three fucking times. 14-time All-Star. Five-time NBA Most Most Valuable Player. Six-time NBA Finals MVP. Six-time NBA Champion. No, we're not talking about your cousin, your cousin Greg. No, we're not talking about your Aunt Brenda. We're talking about Michael Air motherfucking Jordan. The greatest person that I have ever seen play the game of basketball. Hands down. And while I'm a huge Kobe fan, I'm a huge LeBron fan, huge Magic fan, everything they do on the court is great. But for me, nothing compares to Michael Jordan, man. And Michael Jordan taking flight in slow motion is one of the most beautiful things you ever see in your life. I promise you. You don't believe me? Go on YouTube and just look up Michael Jordan videos. Michael Jordan midair slow motion is, is phenomenal. 
And I'm not just talking about his, you know, him dunking. I just read the accolades for you guys. That's a long, thick-ass list. Also, he's a gold medalist, so, yeah, <laughs> two-time gold medalist. Yep. Pan American Games, gold medalist. Championship gold, American Championship gold medalist. Come on, man. Hall of Famer. This is the guy. This, in our era, if you were born in the 80s, this is the measuring stick. Michael motherfucking Jordan, man. And listen, I get LeBron's great. I get Kobe's great. I get Kareem's great. I get that Wilt's great. I get that Larry's great. I get that Charles Barkley's great. I get all that. Bill Russell, shit, Bob Cousy, Dolph Shays, George Mikan, Isaiah Thomas, who I thank, Joel Dumars, Bill Lambeer. Thank you, Dennis Rodman. Thank you for helping make Michael Jordan the best he could be. Because as a as a Bulls fan, and I'm a born Bulls fan. I'm born in Chicago Heights. My mother was a big Chicago Bulls fan. I had no choice but to be a Bulls fan growing up. Michael Jordan's that that's that guy, man. I just remember being at home and watching their games on on TV and just watching him fly through there, him and Pippen going back and forth with John Paxson, Craig Johnson, fucking BJ Armstrong, Stacey King, Will Purdue, um, what's his motherfucking name? Something Livingston. <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of guys, man. Just a bunch of guys on the team with him and Pippen. I remember when Tony Kukoc came. I remember when Rodman came. I, I remember when they had Ron Harper. I remember when they when the jerseys they flipped and had the black jerseys. Oh man. All the Jordan shoes that came out. I even remember the goddamn Pippers that came out. Just watching them play and watching like the crowd being excitement when the first dunk of the game happened and then everybody in Chicago got a free Big Mac and shit. All that shit is tied into my childhood and just watching him dominate growing into my adolescence. Man. I thank Kobe Bryant for being close, but there's no duplicate, man. I've already read the accolade, so I didn't want to, to go back and tell it again. I'm just trying to give you some emotion behind this shit, man, when I'm talking about it. Because I used to get I argue with people all the time about him and LeBron, who's the greatest, and they want to give me LeBron's numbers. I'm like, does he pass the eye test, though? Is he dominating the game like that? Because when you have an all-around guy like LeBron, that's cool because they, they get everybody involved in the game. But when it comes time to take over the game, I really feel like it's harder for a natural passer to do that. But when you got a guy who can dominate from the perimeter with his shooting and then flip the court and dominate on a perimeter on a defensive end, it just it takes a load off. And when the other team know they have to face a dominant score, you're taking somebody away from defending somebody else because you have to compensate for that. You're taking some, you're taking the person off of a of a of somebody who's going to you know eventually become an open man because you have to compensate for Michael Jordan, and then you at that point he becomes a great passer because he's finding people because he's like a magnet on the basketball court, and Le, LeBron does that too, but he's not as a as dominant a scorer. There's just something I feel like a dominant scorer does to a team where they help get the team in rhythm. Now when you passing the ball and all that shit. 
I can't imagine that shit's cool, but if they're cold and you're cold, it's not going to work. You need a consistent score on the basketball team. I just think it's a bonus when that consistent score is probably the best defender on the team as well. And that's what he was. I, I guess maybe depending on whichever night it was, the better defender was either him or Scotty. But Michael Jordan, don't get it fucked up. This is a cat who won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year at the same damn time. That don't happen often. I don't know if it's happened more than once. But watching him dominate on one side of one side of the court and then go do the other thing, I mean the same thing on the other side of the court, is fucking phenomenal. And watching how his teammates respond because they know that it's going to be easier for them to score just because he's on the court. When you, when you have to deal with like a LeBron James, it's almost like the inverse of that because you have to watch him, but you also have to watch him because you know he's going to pass the ball. If you're expecting Jordan to pass the ball or even Kobe Bryant to pass the ball game long, you're going to fuck around and get 50 dumped on your head by one player. I'm just saying. It's contagious. And their, their will and ability to carry the team, I feel like it motivates their teammates to play to play to a level they weren't, you know, they weren't previously on. And to, to know that, hey, that's the guy who's going to take the last shot. There is no debate. We come out this break, this timeout, or this inbound, or we get this loose ball rebound, whatever. When the, when the game's on the line, the clock's ticking, this is the guy that's going to have the ball. I think that does something for a team. Because not only is he going to take the last shot, but if they got time to go back the other way, if there's somebody carrying it, if there's somebody on the perimeter getting that ball, he's going to be the guy that's going to shut that guy down. I just can't see it no other way. Maybe it's because I got roots in Chicago. I would say more than likely. For my money, uh, Michael Jordan, greatest of all time. I'll say right now, who knows what's going to come in my lifetime, but right now, Michael Jeffrey motherfucking Jordan. God damn it. You can debate me what you want, but you you, you heard the accolades. You, you go 6-0 in the finals, you get six finals MVPs. And then we could talk. Boom. I'm almost out of here, man. I just got one quick thing uh, I want to give y'all before I roll. And this is, um, you got to know who you got around you. Just like I was talking about Joel Santana and his situation. Like, I don't know how the people around him let that happen. Is stop making everybody your friends, man. Stop making everybody your friends. Don't make your friendship that easy to gain. Maybe it's because social media, maybe it's because there's a new breed of human walking around with all this technology and how you can keep in contact with people. Or maybe it's because we value information and technology more than we do actual things. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the family structure in the country is changing. But you see people are quick to call other people's friends. And right now, I have I don't have a lot of friends physically around me right now i got some cool guys i work with right now and locally where i'm at i don't really have any like friend friends that i can really think of and if you're around me right now you're hearing this i apologize because i'm drawing a blank right now i don't have any like hey what you doing this weekend friends like that that's gonna happen every weekend and i'm not saying that i'm trying to get out and i'm reaching out to people every weekend because that's not the case my black ass is in the house with my family but I don't have friends who are like, I'm like, hey, we're going to be together every day like if I would if I was living back in my hometown right now. If I call somebody, hey, what you doing when you get on work? Let's go kick it type of shit. Right now, my situation ain't like that. And, you know, as you get older, of course, your circle of friends is going to decline. 
But what I'm saying is, I see people, like, I've seen people recently just, oh yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my guy, that's my friend, or whatever. Like, you can't make everybody your friend. Some people are associates, some people are your work, your work friends or whatever. And then you got your friends, your friend friends that you actually kick it with. And then you got people who've transcended from friend into family. And I don't have a lot of friends. I got a lot of family that's not blood, but I don't have a lot of friends. And I'm cool with that. I'm not complaining. I'm not, I'm not bitching. I'm not moaning, nothing like that. I'm just saying at the stage I'm in in my life right now, I have less room for friends and more room for family. Hopefully you get that dynamic. Like I have less room for friends. I got more room for family. Like I... I've had friends for 30-something years. At this point, I need family around me mainly. Hopefully, some people that are work buddies become friends, and then friends become family. But you got to put people through the ringer first. You can't just make your friendship free. And I see people just get burned by shit, like roommate situations and just social media stupid shit. People get burned by thinking people are their friends, but they're not. And I don't know if it's a generational thing. I can't call it. I just think people confuse situations like oh you looked out that one time i'm call, i'm gonna call you as my friend because me if i give you so much i'm expect you to reciprocate and if you don't i'm gonna feel a certain type of way so i kind of had to teach myself like hey um i can't i can't give that much of myself because then i'm, I'm going to be expecting something back from you so i had to kind of remind myself as i got older now and, and I kind of close myself off. I don't invite people to my crib like that. I, like, I go to your spot, but you ain't coming to mine. Like, it's, and it's not that I that I don't fuck with people. It's just I like to keep my life my life. My household, for mainly for me, is for family. Friends, I meet you outside. That's just how I roll. And it's not. It's because I'm, I'm semi-private. It's nothing against anybody. It's just how I live. Because... People confuse shit and misstep. Like you do one or two things or you you may kick it or be around each other for a certain amount of time and people get too comfortable because people confuse you looking out or them looking out for you for different shit. You might have like a, a homie moment and think you're somebody's friend or think somebody's your friend or a, a bromant, if you will, if it's between guys, you might have a bromant where somebody does some bro level shit and you like, man, like this is my guy. But in reality, no, that's not your guy. You can't count on that man. Now, that bromant may open the door to friendship, but that that's, that's step one. That's step one. And you got to think about that shit, especially when you you know, you know do your social media shit. Like, you talking to everybody and giving your personal business out to everybody, to everybody like they're your friends, but you got to stop and think. Like, if I'm going to sit in a room full of people, maybe if I'm sitting in a room full of 40 people, right, and I'm talking to everybody that can hear my voice. Would I say what's going on with my family right now? Because I may talk to five of those people on a regular basis. I'll, I'll give you ten. I may talk to five or ten of those people on a regular basis, but, but the, my core five really know what's going on in my life. So if I say something about my family, they, they're going to understand, okay, I know this situation led to X, Y, Z. Now, the other five out of that team might be like, oh, damn, I didn't even know that was going on. But that other 40 don't know shit about what's going on in your life and really don't give a fuck and probably won't do shit with that information but take it somewhere and talk to it with somebody else who don't give a fuck about you. 
That's why it always amazes me, like, when people say shit that I would perceive as intimate when they put it out in the, at work or social media or whatever. Like, why? I don't, I don't get it. You know, you have to take steps with people. And I guess that's why my, my circle stays smaller. I don't know, man. That's just me. I, I just thought I'd give somebody some game. Maybe you got a young person around you or maybe you yourself have been just a little bit too open. But make people earn your friendship. Everybody don't deserve you, man. People get used and abused out in these streets, you know, because they just feel like it's cool to give everybody their business, give everybody access to their life. You can't do that shit with everybody. There's a lot of snakes out here, a lot of snakes, especially if you somebody got something going for yourself. Because the minute that shit stops and you're not doing something for the other person, they out of there, I promise you. So just, just think about it, man. And if you in my age group, you probably don't have these problems, but you probably see somebody else going through it. So let them know. Give them a little bit of game, man. Don't don't be fooled by a broman. Don't be fooled by a broman. It's just a bro did some cool shit. He's trying to get into to walk through the door of friendship, but you might have to screen him first. You gotta look through your peephole, man. <laughs> look through your peephole and check these people out. But it's been it's been a while. I've been talking for a long time, so I'm gonna go ahead and shut this down, man. Y'all know what it is by now. If you're not, you're fucking crazy. No playing this ride. It's hosted by me, Blackout. If you want to contact me, man. I'm at noplayinthisride at gmail.com. All or case, noplayinthisride at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at noplay247, so it's capital N, lowercase o, capital P-L-A-Y, noplay247 on Twitter. I actually have the Facebook page up now, so noplayinthisride on Facebook. Everything's noplayinthisride, man. Just look it up. Um, also, I got merch. I got shits to sell, y'all, if y'all want it, man. No pressure. If you want to support and show your love for the podcast, go ahead and do your thing, man. If not, fuck it. It's all good. So if you want to support me, uh, the website is going to be no playing this ride all over case dot threadless.com. So that's no playing this ride dot threadless. That's thread without the without the thread. Threadless. So no playing this ride dot threadless.com. There's all types of shit on there. There's t-shirts there's hoodies there's the t-ball shirts there's girly shit there's lounge pants there's cell phone cases um pillows beach blankets anything you might want to put the logo on you want to show a little bit of support it's right there for you man like i said no pressure but if you want to don't but if you want to do it do it i'll take it and if you do it and you get something man shoot me a picture let me know you're out there supporting me i really appreciate it but with that said man you know how I go, man. Make tomorrow better than today. Learn something tomorrow you didn't learn today. Week 2020, all that jazz. Y'all be easy, greasy out there. One love. Peace.